good evening, everyone. Oh, thank you, Liza. Good evening. So, I don't know if you've ever had one of those weeks that just get kind of hijacked. Uh, that was definitely true uh, for me this week. Uh, last week, I, I went uh, to my 40-year-old uh, checkup where they, you know, check everything up. Yes, I'm 40. And uh, uh, they were checking me out. And, and uh, about a year and a half ago, I was, I was growing a horn. And uh, they had it removed because growing a horn in my chosen profession is not a good thing. And uh, so they, they removed it. And uh, it, it, that was like an inpatient kind of uh, thing where they just kind of hacked it out and and uh, got a biopsy and everything was good. But uh, over the course of the past year and a half, uh, it, it grew back. And when I went in for my 40-year-old uh, checkup, that uh, we were looking at that and, and it was painful and decided to uh, go see a, a neurosurgeon and get a, another CAT scan and all this kind of stuff. So on Wednesday, I uh, went and saw the, the neurosurgeon again and and he looked at it and he said, well, the good news is if we misdiagnosed it a year ago, you'd be dead by now. So, uh, uh, so he said, well, I don't think it's cancerous, but looking at it, uh, how about, you know, uh, coming into the hospital and we can put you, uh, put you under and, and get it out for good this time on Friday. Uh, so I went from thinking my week was going to go a certain direction and... Uh, Friday at you know 4:30 in the morning, I was driving down to the hospital and uh, going to be put under and and all that kind of stuff. And just to let you know, at 4:30 in the morning, there's some weird stuff on the radio. Uh, so I've never really listened to it before, and probably not going to go out of my way again to do that. Uh, but uh, I'm 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 doing okay. It it it, it should be fine. I know some of you uh, know and and been praying for me, and I appreciate that. But just want to let you know that this was Friday, and I was out of commission all day Friday. I got out of the hospital around 4:30 uh, in the evening, and then all day yesterday I was just kind of laid up, and then I've been just kind of struggling through the day. Um, so uh, this morning, actually, I wasn't sure if I should. Uh, take my pain medication and and kind of be woozy and just kind of in pain. Uh, so what I ended up doing was just take half of it this morning, and I was woozy and in pain. Uh, so this evening I just went for full strength and uh, <laughs> decided you know put the pain aside. So I am a little bit like okay, but. Uh, so if anything goes sideways, it's not me. It's uh, it's the, med- the prescribed medication, but it should be it should be okay. So uh, last week we started a series and uh, that we're going through the Gospel of Mark. And uh, one of the reasons I really pushed through today is I just I really wanted to be here with you guys, and this is an important series I think uh, in the life of our church, and hopefully to uh, you guys here individually and. Last week, we, we uh, saw Jesus come onto the scene, and, and he was baptized, and that, that we saw he did that to uh, really take ownership of his mission here on earth, and also to acknowledge God's plan for humanity. 
we also saw something that I, I felt was uh, very powerful in, in the fact that Jesus went out and he sought out his disciples. That, and this is very uh, counter to every other religion in the world, and even Judaism in the, in the day that a rabbi would would wait till a a student was good enough or smart enough to become their disciples or their followers, but Jesus didn't wait for people to become good enough or smart enough or powerful enough or wealthy enough to to become his disciples. That he went out to common people and he went to people who who were in their life doing what they thought that they were here on this planet to do. And, and he, he intersected where life came and Jesus came and, and called them, called them by name and, and said, hey, will you guys follow me? And it's, it's just, it's so different than everything else, every other religion in the, in, in the world, every other religion says, you know what, you can't get to God until you're good enough or smart enough or you're giving enough money or you're serving enough or all these things where our God says, no. You know what? That is the wrong track. In fact, I love you so much that I'm going to meet you where you are at and I'm going to call you by name and I'm going to invite you into a, a process where I will help you realize who I am and to live out the vision that I have for your life. So that's how we started. And, and last week I ended up with two questions that we are going to be asking throughout this series. And my, my prayer is that each and every one of us individually will be able to answer these two questions during this, uh, the series are through while we're going through the book of Mark. And the first one, uh, first question is, who is Jesus? To you, not to me, but to you, who is Jesus? Is he a great teacher? Uh, is he a lunatic? Is, is, or is indeed, he, is he the son of God? And I really want to press upon you, and hopefully as we go through, and, and I believe that Jesus and God will reveal his character to us through this series that we will be able to make that determination of who is Jesus. The second question that I want you to be able to answer, if Jesus is actually the son of God, then what does it mean to follow him? What does it mean in the 21st century to follow this Jesus in the, you know, in these hard times? So if you guys will open up your Bibles uh, to Mark chapter 1, we're going to be starting in, in verse 21. And it starts out right here that Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went to the synagogue and began to teach. So back in the first century, uh, you had the temple, and the temple's different than the synagogue for, for the Jewish uh, 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 culture. The temple was an actual, the, 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 um, Solomon's temple was actually in Jerusalem. It's the thing that you see pictures of. It's huge and all the walls and all those kind of things. But, but it was very difficult for many people to travel that far, to travel to Jerusalem to go worship and offer their sacrifices every single week on a, on a Saturday. So what was allowed was if there was 10 Jewish families in a particular town, that they could start a synagogue. 
And the synagogue would be, become the centralized uh, hub for the Jewish culture in that town. This is where people would go and they would become educated that a lot of commerce happened around the, the, around the synagogue, that, that also they would go there on Saturdays and they would worship together and uh, they would hear teaching much, much like we do as Christians on, on Sundays. The only difference is that, that the synagogues, they didn't have full-time staff like the temple did. In fact, what they would do is they would invite different rabbis to come uh, traveling rabbis to to come and to teach them. So this is what Jesus is doing. He's going along with with Andrew and James and Simon, who becomes Peter later on, and and Andrew and and uh, they're traveling from town to town, synagogue to synagogue, and they're they're teaching. And they they come to Capernaum, where actually is where Peter's house is, and. This is where basically Jesus is going to set up kind of his ministry center for the next several years. And he begins to preach. In verse 22, it says, The people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Now, in that day, the teachers of the religious law how they brought authority to their teaching, basically what they would do is they would come and they would quote and debate different traditions. They would, they would quote and debate different things that other rabbis are, are saying and they would say, I'm a, I'm a student of this rabbi or I'm a student of that rabbi and this rabbi is, is wrong about this tradition because of this. It would be like if I, on a Sunday, I would come here and I wouldn't open up the word of God, but I would, I would open up like a book from Rob Bell or from Mark Dristol or, or some Calvinist kind of doctrine or something like that. And instead of talking about God's word and, 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 and those kind of things, I would say, I agree or I disagree with Rob Bell when he said this, and that would be the centralized teaching. But Jesus didn't do that. In fact, he came in and this word, Authority that, that he taught with real authority. The Greek word there is ex, exousia. And what that, that means, it's actually a legal term. That's a legal term in the, in the Greek in the, in the first century. And it basically is the equivalent for us of, of the power of attorney. Basically, if somebody gives you, if I give you power of attorney, that, that you can be my agent legally, that you can represent me. And Basically, they're saying that Jesus came and he was actually, in the way that he taught, remember this is toward the beginning of his ministry, that, that he was actually, like, had real authority, that he was actually like a true representative of God, of Yahweh himself. And this just blew people away. But if that wasn't enough, in verse 23, it says, suddenly... A man in the synagogue was who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One sent from God. And Jesus cut him short. He said, Be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, Ah! threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. 
Amaze, I love this next part. Amazement gripped the audience. I mean, that's pretty good visual, right? Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what happened. Did you see the guy? He was demon-possessed, and then he screamed, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, they're discussing, like, just like we would discuss such a thing happening. And then they say, what sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority, even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. And that's the northern region of, of Israel. And basically what we have here is, is Jesus is in the synagogue and the spirits already know who he is. And it's kind of interesting, Jesus cuts them quiet really quick, the spirit. And you've got to say, well, why, why didn't Jesus, and this is a pattern that we're going to see, that Jesus tells spirits and tells people, hey, don't tell people who I am. As people figured out that he was the son of God, he says, look, don't tell people who I am. And it kind of shows us that, that God had a, had a plan here and that, that he didn't want it being hijacked by the enemy or, or by anyone else, but that, this, that there was actually a pattern and, and, and a method to how Jesus' ministry was unfolding. The other thing that I want you to, to look at is um, tonight we're going to see several different healings. And I think that these different kinds of healings represent us part of the character of God and shows us that he's sovereign over different aspects of life. And the first one that we, we see that, that he can restore or spiritual health to a to a soul that's been corrupted by by an evil an evil spirit that he has power over the spirit world. After after that happened, it says Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, and they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother in law was sick in bed with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away, so. He went to her bedside, took her by the hand, and helped her sit up. Then the fever left her, and I love this next part, and she prepared a meal for them. Basically, this is the Sabbath, and, and you're meant to be resting on the, on the Sabbath. And Jesus is starting to outlay a new paradigm for us. That, that later on, that he'll go and he'll explain a little bit more about the Sabbath and how how the Sabbath isn't for God, but the Sabbath is, is for us. And that, that Jesus is, is not confined by the religious or the Mosaic law, but he, he is moved by compassion and love. And he goes, and he's had quite a day that he, he starts out and he's, and he's teaching, and then he, then he heals this, this uh, possessed man. And then he goes home, and they're going to have their, their traditional Sabbath meal. That, that is all prepared, but they, they get there and the mother-in-law is sick. And, and here he comes and, and he heals her and it shows that, you know what? Jesus doesn't only have power over the spirit world, but Jesus also has power over the physical world, over physical sickness. And then it goes on, it says, that evening after sunset, Many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. 
So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons because the demons knew who he was. He did not allow them to speak. Now, think about it if you were James or John or Simon or Andrew. You know, just recently you'd given up your your profession for for James and John, you had given up your inheritance and 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 here we have this amazing day. You get to go and you hear Jesus preach with all this authority and all of these healings. And then not only healing random people, but reaching in and healing someone who's close to you and being able to share a, a meal together. And then in your hometown, where everybody probably thought you were a complete idiot for leaving the family business. You've been validated by this, this Jesus Christ and, and his power. And, and all these people who are probably naysayers are now crowding around Peter's home to be touched by Jesus. And I just, I think about that and what an amazing day that would have been. And you, if you were one of the disciples, you'd probably be thinking, is every day going to be like this? I mean, just, I mean, just full throttle healing everybody. And, and, you know, we're going to, we're going to be really popular in our hometown. And, and this is amazing. And, and, and just think of all, you know, the human emotions that you might be feeling and, and that you were, you know, you are the inner circle of this Jesus. But Jesus has different plans. In verse 35, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, which was probably between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. Why they go out there? They're probably like, you know, they wake up and, and Jesus is gone. Where's Jesus? Jesus was doing all this cool stuff, you know, this huge day. You know, they were going to have some bagel and locks or something like that. And, 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 but they couldn't find Jesus. So they're like, oh my gosh, you know, let's, let's, let's seek him out. Let's, let's find him. And they couldn't find him. Where was Jesus? Check out Jesus' priority. You know, you got to remember Jesus was God, but Jesus was also human. And he experienced the human feelings that we all have. And how do we feel when, when people are all around us and, and they want to know what we think and they ask us questions and they want our time, it makes us feel important. You know, there's a saying in, in sports, don't read your own press clippings, you know, because it starts playing tricks on your mind and, and it makes you go kind of weird. And I think it's so important that Jesus shows us here that his relationship with his father in heaven is paramount to everything. It's more important than his sleep. It is more important than everything and everyone around him. And essentially, he's showing us here that you can never be too busy not to pray. So they go out and they find him. And they're like, dude, Jesus, everybody is looking for you. 
But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. See, Peter and James and John and Andrew, they're sitting there and they're like, wow, we are so popular in our town now that we're validated. Isn't this cool? We got to go back. Everybody's looking for us in our town. We, we've made it. And he's like, uh-uh, you're thinking too small. I didn't come to seek and save the lost in Capernaum. I came for the entire world. And we need to pack up our things and we need to start traveling because I have come to connect everyone and give them the opportunity to connect with their father in heaven. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and and casting out demons. In verse 40, in one of these synagogues, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. He says, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Now, leprosy is kind of removed from us. This is not something that we deal with on a, on a daily basis. But in the first century, leprosy was the absolute worst thing that you could possibly get. It, only, it did not only affect your body where your, your body would, would literally just rot on you. I mean, it was an absolutely disgusting disease where pieces of you would, would rot and fall off. But people in the first century were absolutely terrified of this disease. And not only did it affect you physically, but socially you were ostracized that, that people would literally, if you were walking down the street, that they would throw rocks at you. Could you imagine walking down to FSU or and every time somebody saw you, they, you know, not just one person, but everybody, if they saw you, they would throw rocks at you. You know, that would hurt your self-esteem, right? I mean, that, that would be a bad thing. It would be hard to like, you know, look in the mirror and say, I'm good enough and I'm smart enough and doggone it, people like me. No, they throw rocks at me. I don't like it. But... Not only that, that for some, they would make them put bells on and they would, they would make them walk around. And if they were going to walk around anywhere where there was people near, they would have to ring this bell and shout, unclean, unclean. I mean, it's just absolutely miserable. And if you had leprosy, that you were, you were cut off socially, you were cut off spiritually, from the, the spiritual life of the community. You weren't allowed to go to the synagogue. You weren't allowed to really go into the town that, that people were terrified of you. So if you got this whole, this terrible disease, that all you had to look forward to was your body decaying while you were still in it and eventually rotting alive and dying alone with people terrified of you. And he comes to Jesus, and he knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. 
kind of changes the way you think about this. And I love this next sentence. I just, I think that this just is so important in our understanding in our quest to answer the question, who is Jesus? This man that everyone else is terrified of, this man who has this wretched disease, this man who everybody throws rocks at and that everybody just wishes would go into the desert and die. Jesus is moved with compassion. And Jesus reached out, listen to this, Jesus reached out and touched him. Touched him. He didn't have to touch him. He just healed healed the demon-possessed man without touching him. In fact, as we look at the story of Jesus, he heals lots of people without touching him. In fact, in one case, he's not even in the same city and he heals. But Jesus is doing something much larger here than just healing a physical ailment. That Jesus is moved with compassion about our circumstance. And he's showing that he'll reach in and when no one else will touch you, when no one else will give you a minute, when when everybody else is throwing rocks at you, that Jesus is willing to touch you. Healing touch and restore you not only physically, but restore you emotionally and spiritually and socially. He says, I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. Now, we miss kind of a cool little thing here in, in the English, and I want to share it with you in the, in the Greek. This stern warning actually in the Greek is a, is a word, embrimisemios, and that means like a snorting horse. That, that Jesus' stern warning was like a snorting horse. Don't tell anybody about this. <laughs> I, just, I, I just, I love that, I, I, I mean, that, that imagery. You know, have you ever been by a horse and he snorts on you? You're like, whoa. You know, I mean, it was like just this weird, you know, Jesus, son of God, you know, snorting like a horse, telling you, look, don't do this. So he, like a snorting horse, he says, don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Now, check out what he's doing. He just restored him physically emotionally, socially. And, he, and now he is giving him a spiritual path and, and intellectually teaching him about being a follower of Christ or of God. It says, instead, go to the priest and let him examine you and take along the offerings required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. That he's teaching them, look, there's steps, there's things that, you know what? 
that there's a pathway that you can get closer to me, that you can understand who I am in my, in my full character. And here he's fulfilling the law and respecting the law, but also at the same time elevating relationship as the primary motivation for doing everything. So did the snorting horse warning do any good? Verse 45, but the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what happened. As a result, large crowds surrounded Jesus, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. You know, Jesus just healed this guy and gave him his life back, and he told him not to do something, but he went out. And he told everybody anyway. And, you know, in, 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 in some regard, you're very like, really? I mean, just said, don't tell anybody. I mean, is it really such a big deal? But I, I believe that Jesus so radically changed this guy's life that he couldn't contain himself. That it was just written all over his face and he was bursting with with joy, he's bursting with this Jesus inside of him and had to tell people what Jesus had done for him. You know, I think that a lot of times in the American 21st century church and the 20th century church that we get this so wrong. I remember um, when I first became a follower of Christ and I was a year or so uh, into following Christ as best as I, as I could. And I love telling people about Jesus. I, I still do, by the way. And I'm really excited about what, he, what he's done in my life because, you know, my story is a lot like the leper. I mean, God, Jesus restored me emotionally and, 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 and physically and, and, and socially and all, all of these kinds of things. And I would love to tell my friends and tell people, people about what Jesus had done for me. And I remember this more mature Christian pulled me aside one day at my church and, and said, you know what? And I'll always remember these words, said, don't worry. That excitement will wear off. I thought that was such a bizarre statement. And that, that somehow the mark of a mature Christian is that they don't have this overwhelming desire to tell about Jesus' healing power. And I reject that. It's absolutely ridiculous. That, that at some point that we get to a, a point in our spiritual journey that, that we're no longer excited that Jesus ta- touches lepers that that's just like, yeah, whatever. There is something seriously wrong. This is why I love doing, I love baptisms because it's a reminder as people that Jesus is still in the leper touching business. That, that he is still in the healing business. And as we, we see people get baptized, that we get to hear their story about how, how Jesus met them while others were throwing rocks. Jesus embraced them. And I also think that it is a, 
it's a great thing for the person being baptized, but it's also just a great reminder of a, for us in the church. And I just, if you look at, if you look at all of these various healings, I just, I think it is just so amazing that we see Jesus' sovereignty over every aspect of life. We see that he has sovereignty, he has power over the spiritual world, that he has power over the physical world, that he has power over the social and, and emotional world, that he has a great understanding and can bring even intellectual healing and heal people's minds. And that that holistically that Jesus can touch us and heal us if we are willing to receive his healing touch. You guys pray with me? Dear God, I just uh, thank you for this, this gospel of Mark and the opportunity to go through it together. God, I know that so many of us feel at times as we are, we are lepers. And everyone else is throwing rocks. And God, I just pray that this is a reminder to us tonight that you are willing to meet us in our circumstance, that you are willing to love us when everyone else is turning away. God, I just pray that each and every one of us, that you will lay upon our hearts as we continue on this journey, that we, once and for all, each and every one of us is individual creations of you. That we will be able to identify who we believe you are and also be able to answer the question, what does it mean to follow a wild-eyed Savior? In Jesus' name. Wow. <laughs>